page 112. So we are going to get into who is obligated to light and a number of complicated scenarios of lighting when uh, it's atypical situations. And the question is who lights, how do you light, where do you light? So hold on tight, okay? So we'll start the Rambam on page 112, says the Rambam. Ve'echad anashim, ve'echad nashim, chayavin lios b'batehen, ner daluk b'shabes. Both men and women have to ensure that there are lights lit on Shabbos. Although we associate this mitzvah with women, we'll see why in a moment, but at the end of the day, if there, there, there is an obligation of both men and women to ensure that there's light. So for example, in a scenario, let's just keep it very simple for, for the sake of uh, simplicity. If there is just a man living in a home, he is 100%, again, let's just assume he's a single man living in a home, he is 100% obligated to, have, to light Shabbos candles. There is no question about it. Echad nashim, anashim echad nashim, it is an obligation of both men and women. Then the Ramam continues in Halacha Gimel, Hamadlik Tzarech Lahadlik Mo'odiyom Kon Mishchiyasachama, the person lighting has to light before sunset, Vinashim Etzuvo Sadavrzeh Yoser Min Ha'anashim. And women, it doesn't translate so well, but women are, you know, not literally more obligated, but it, the, the obligation, uh, or if there's a preference in terms of who should light, it falls on the women more. Very practical. Women, and certainly historically, were more typically found in the home. And they're more busy with the work of the house. And therefore, the custom evolved that the women are the ones lighting the candles. Lighting candles is part of the preparation of the house. Right? It's part of the preparation of the house. And just like, again, certainly historically, and for many still to this day, the women were the ones who were preparing the food and preparing the house and setting the table, whatever it was. So part of that, it makes sense, it flows from that, that lighting the candles should fall upon the women. Okay? Nonetheless, there's still an obligation on the man. And therefore, there's an obligation on, so to speak, the man of the house. He can't say, well, it's not my mitzvah. Right? In other words, you know, uh, uh, the mitzvah of tefillin, for example, you know, is, is a mitzvah on the individual, on the man. His wife doesn't have to tell him or his sisters must say, hey, are you putting on tefillin? It's his mitzvah. He has to do it, right? But lighting the candles is a mitzvah on both of them. And therefore, the man should ensure that it's happening. But at the end of the day, the mitzvah typically falls upon, uh, if there is a man and woman in the house, the woman of the house. Okay? There is a custom he doesn't mention over here. It's a, it's a beautiful custom where some men will, will involve themselves in the lighting by either setting up the candles or singeing the, the wicks. They'll light the wicks, then they'll, they'll extinguish them um, as a way of make, preparing the candles. Not obligatory, but it's, it's, an exp- it's an expression of this because really the mitzvah is on both of them. But the women lights, right? But if for whatever reason, you know, any scenario, what woman, uh, I'm not able to light today, whatever it is, I, I, I'm running around, could you go light the candle? 100%. There's no, there's no, it, it's, it, the preference is for the woman to light, but 100% the mitzvah is on both men and women. Okay, we're again on page 112, and let's now see, uh, let's now see the Shulchan Aruch codifies this. Um, okay. Um, source four, Shulchan Aruch, Hanashim Musharis Bo Yoser, and he says a little bit differently, women are, again, uh, the translations are, uh, they're not perfect over here to me, but uh, the women are, are, it's more so on the women. They're found in the house, they're busy with the house, and therefore, typically, the women light it. The Mishnah adds in source five, Hanashim Musharos, Vafilim Kodemes, Okay, so if let's say you have this husband who says, well, I want to light in the house. Okay, first of all, mm, okay. Second of all, but let's just say, you know, well, let's say not the most uh, appropriate thing to do, but let's just say he says this. So, and they, they come and they, I don't know, they, they, they like, what's, who gets preference? He says, I want to light, it's my house, I want to light the candles, you should light the candles, I want the mitzvah. So the halacha is, the woman gets the, the right, it's her right, 
She knows she has the right of first refusal. She has the right to light. If she doesn't want to, he can light. If there are many candles, okay, if there are a bunch of candles all over the place, then he could also light if he wants. Okay, the bottom line is it's the woman's mitzvah, but it's also the man's mitzvah. If there's a man or woman, the woman gets preference to light this. Okay. Fine, straightforward. I think this is all well known. Let's now talk about girls lighting at home. This question came up the other day. Um, what is the halacha? Typically, we have a mitzvah called chinuch. Chinuch means we have an obligation to, um, to educate our children to, to do mitzvahs, okay? That starts at, the, at a young age. As soon as the child is able to comprehend what they're doing, we are obligated to instruct them and have them do those mitzvahs. So the question is, what about lighting candles? It would be logical to say that we should instruct children to be lighting the candles as soon as they are of age, right? What would be the counter-argument? Why would we say that maybe by lighting candles there wouldn't be a mitzvah? Any thoughts? Could be a fire. Okay, there's a practical concern. Fine, fair. Any other reasons why there wouldn't, wouldn't be the case? Because she's not, uh, if she's younger than 12, so she's... Okay, so let's say she's 12, just for the sake of... My question is like this. Typically, let's say Lulav and Esrog, right? So, uh, you know, so, so we, or let's say Sukkah, right? So do children, are children obligated to go to the Sukkah? No. But as part of Chinuch, we bring the children to the Sukkah. And by children, I mean as soon as they're, you know, of age, they could comprehend four, five, six, whatever, seven, depends on the child. But basically, our children eat with us in the Sukkah, right? Why? They're not obligated. We, a, a parent, is obligated to educate their child, right? So when it comes to lighting candles, it would follow Hanukkah. We said Hanukkah, right? All the children in my house lit Hanukkah candles, okay? Some of them said a bracha. Some of them were too young to say a bracha, whatever, but they all lit, they all lit Hanukkah candles. Why? That's called a mitzvah of chinuch. It's my job to educate them. It's my wife's job and I to ed- we, we, our job to educate them to fulfill the mitzvahs, right? So when it comes to lighting Shabbos candles, the it should be that we're obligated that they should be lighting. What would be I'm asking? Is there a reason to say that when it comes to Shabbos candles, it might be different? Yes. There's only so many candles you can light. I mean, like that you can't pass over a mitzvah. So if it's up to the woman of the house, then you should probably leave it to me. What do you mean by that? So good. What do you mean by that? That there's only so many lights that you, candles that you can light. Like, isn't it the amount of children you have? You light? Okay, so there is this idea of lighting the amount of children we have. Good. Yeah. I think you're on the right path. Yes. The idea the, the, of light in the house. Yeah. The idea of light in the house. What do you mean? By the first candles, there's light in the house. So you're ready to fulfill it. Good, good, excellent. So, so basically, right, there, there is an idea, and uh, we'll, we'll come back to, to, to the fact that we don't always follow this to the, to the law, but, but if someone already, the idea, the, the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles is to ensure that there's light in the house. So if you recall, we even had a discussion, once you have the electric lights on, the, the regular lights on, can you even light Shabbos candles, right? And so the bottom line is the minag is to, yes, still light Shabbos candles. But technically speaking, once there's already lit candles, and so there's light in the house, and we've already stretched ourselves and said, well, I have all my LED lights around the house, but I'm still lighting my Shabbos candles. I'm not, to, to go ahead and have someone light additional candles, it's extra, it's extraneous. And so there, there is a concept when it comes to chinuch, and this is a, the reason I'm, I'm elaborating on this, I think it's a very important concept which is sometimes missed. When we are teaching children how to do a mitzvah, it has to be done within the construct of the mitzvah itself. So a, well, I'll just give an example that comes up all the time. Um, the, in the summer, there's a certain time, you know, um, you know to, to make early Shabbos, you can't make early Shabbos at two in the afternoon. You can only make early Shabbos after a certain time. It's called Plag Mincha. Okay, so it's later in the day. Let's say, and, and you, can't, you can't start Shabbos before that. But sometimes people call me, I have a very young child. The child has to go to sleep at, I don't know, five o'clock. We want to have a meal. We want to make Kiddush. We want to light Shabbos, Shabbos candles. And so for Chinuch, I should do it. The answer is, it's wrong. It's wrong. Why? Even though from the child's perspective, they don't know the difference, but your own, Chinuch is only applicable when you're doing it within the construct of what would actually be the mitzvah itself. And so to make Kiddush, 
at a time where it's not, there's no real obligation to have Kiddush, that's not Chinuch. That's a bracha levatala. That's a bracha for no reason. To light Shabbos candles at a time that isn't Shabbos. And again, I'm not someone in the school, they light the Shabbos candles and, you know, but they don't say a bracha there. They're just, they're, they're, it's a Shabbos party, right? And they, they don't say Kiddush, they say Hagefen, whatever it is. But, but to do, to fulfill Chinuch, you have to do it within the construct of the mitzvah, right? So you don't have a child light, light the Hanukkah candles at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Light Hanukkah candles at the regular time, right? So similarly over here, really once one set of candles already lit, there really isn't an obligation to light another candle. It might even be a brachla vatala to light other candles there. I know if you're a guest at someone's house, you end up lighting candles and, and when you come to shul and you light it over here, but, but technically those are, you know, um, not so straightforward that we do that. But, but strictly speaking, once there's one set of candles lit, there really shouldn't be other candles lit. And therefore, to do chinuch in a way that is intrinsically less than perfect would not be something that most, most would say would not be appropriate. And that's why I'm getting some stares, uh, like some, some, like, right? You're following me? In other words, they're really technically, once you want the, 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 one, the person of the house light Shabbos candles, there really isn't room for another obligation, and therefore chinuch wouldn't be applicable over here. And that's why most have the custom. Now, now let's, with that background, let's now look at one, page 113, source 6. There are those who have the custom. There are some who have the custom that all the women, all the girls in the house, once they come to the age of chinuch, they light candles. Um, this is in addition to the light that the lady of the house already lights. There are those who even say a bracha. See, here's where it gets a little more complicated. So if you want to have the custom to light, okay, you write, you light, you light another, uh, you know, light another candle, who cares? But to say a bracha, he says, there are those who say a bracha. If you have the minhag, that even the, the, the daughters say a bracha, it's best that they light the candles not by the main candles, they should light the candles somewhere else, and then it's appropriate that they say their own bracha. And now we understand why he's saying this, because to say another bracha in that place is questionable. If they do without a bracha, you get it. Again, so they're just adding candles. That's not, that's, again, that's not, that's, there's no issue over there. But to say it with a bracha as part of chinuch, it has to be an area where you really be obligated, and therefore ideally, they should light it a little bit further. They should light it somewhere else. So it's adding light from a different place. Okay? However, he just writes, if you look at, at source number seven, and this is from uh, those who are, uh, have Lubavitch background, Lubavitch Rebbe instituted that uh, every girl older than three years old should, should light, and they light with a bracha, and they don't have the minag of doing it elsewhere. Okay? This is if you're a Lubavitch, this is their minag. I'm not going to say to change it. But if you're not Lubavitch, um, one of two things. Either all the, the, all the, you know, the, the girls of the house could light, but they should ideally light without a bracha. If they want to light with a bracha, ideally it should be done um, a little bit at a distance from the main candles. Make sense? Okay, awesome. Let's go further. Okay, um, so, so it's interesting. There's an interesting custom for Svardim. I was not aware of this. We look at source number eight. Me'ikra, this is from Rav Avadi Yosef, who was the great Svardic postic in source eight. He writes, Me'ikra halacha ein kol chov banos harvakos ha-smuchos al-shochan horeyan lahalik neros b'shavis. He says the, the main the halacha is that there is no obligation whatsoever on single young women, single girls or young women, who are dependent on their parents to light Shabbos candles. And, they, and there was never the custom among Sephardim for girls 
to light. If they want to be stringent, they cannot make a bracha. It is forbidden to make a bracha. They should hear the bracha from their mother. Um, when she lights in the dining room, then they can go into their own room and light without a bracha. So he says, this is the Sephardic Minag. The Sephardic Minag, he says, they never, they said, the Sephardic Minag is never, that, that, that single women, there's no obligation whatsoever. If they want to be stringent, they can light. They certainly cannot say a bracha. They should hear the bracha said by their mother, and then they could go light in their own room. Okay? Good. Um, let's go a little further. Um, Okay, fine. So if the Penine Halacha, this is from Rav Eliezer Melamed in page, uh, source 9 on page 114, ye, writes, There are those of the custom, in addition to the candles that the mother lights, all the daughters lights, this is the Minag of Chabad, the custom for most, most of the authorities, most poskim argue um, that only the mother lights candles, that is the normative custom amongst, amongst most congregations, most communities. Every person should follow their own minag. Okay, so um, whatever your minag is, the minag, my minag, my half, says only my wife lights, the daughter, the girls in my house do not light. Uh, some, custom, some people have the custom that all the girls light. If you're not Lubavitch, I would, I would suggest either lighting without a bracha or lighting the candles in like a different room, and there you can say a bracha in that other room. Okay, that would be, yes. We light with my mother, but we all say the bracha. Right. So if it's if 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 your family has like a, so if that's your I don't, again I don't know where the minna comes from and certainly that's there is a chabad there is a strong chabad minna to do so I don't know if that's that was the influence I'm not sure I wouldn't say to to stop it you know if that's what was because we're not lighting the candles you're not lighting the candles you just say the bracha you don't light the candles interesting like, I don't know where it comes from I think my mother just thought it was like you when you're little say the bracha I hear um, okay. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's a. I'm not sure if there's a justification to, to say the bracha. Um, I would look into. You know, if, if you could find out, like, if there was a pl- like a place where that started before throwing it away. You know, just doing doing the research, finding out, like, if, if you could remember if there was a, someone who guided you to do so. I I, I can't speak to a source for that, uh, but it might be that there is a, a source. Yeah. What about those that army of us who became from through Lubavitch? Uh huh. Right, so, this yeah. like, we're not Lubavitch anymore. Yeah, that, the, so now we're touching upon the, the, the very complicated... Yeah, it's a, it's a good... It's a fair question. Like I mean... Not, you know, Minag America. But we've been doing it... Yeah, like so if you've been doing it and you've been influenced by Chabad, I, 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 I'm hard-pressed to find anyone in America right now who has pure Minhagim. We're all a hodgepodge. We're all a hodgepodge. We like to believe we're not. We're all ninety percent of, of, of American Jews, unless you're Chassidish. Yeah, and certainly Balichuba. I'm saying they're not even Balichuba. Not even Balichuba. I'm not a Balichuba. I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, <laughs> random and I'm gonna have like smushed uh, together. So just keep it. Yeah, if you've been doing it all the time and it was influenced by Chabad and started that way, then that make, then there's the Makor for it. There's a source for that. I would keep it. Yeah. Yes. So that's a whole different mitzvah. There's a whole different mitzvah, and there there it is. Part of the mitzvah, that's part of Hidur mitzvah, is that there should be more candles and it should be corresponding to all the people of the house. So it's, it's, it's in that respect, it's not okay, it's, it's ideal. It's ideal. Not only okay, it's ideal. Yeah, yes. Is that a hand? No, okay. Yes. Can you have one? I mean, I remember when I used to do it with my kids when they were little, 
you know, they would say, I want to light my candle, you know, because they knew that one was feast. So I would right. allow them to light theirs, yeah. you know, like to light, but I said the bracha. And that's that's fine. So is it okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You let the acre, the main thing is really to light two candles. You let the two, and if they, they, they light the other ones, they, you should say the bracha. They could say amen, and they could, they could do it for you. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't tell them because then one of them goes out, everyone freaks out. It's not worth it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Okay. Okay. So here we're going to get into a bit of a more complicated discussion. So far, okay, pretty straightforward, I think. We're going to get into a bit of a more complicated discussion about um, what to do when, we, uh, when a person is not home, um, not staying at home. So if you recall, we spoke the, the other week, we spoke about a person who is, um, n- you know, even if you're not, if you are staying at home, you're sleeping at home and you're eating somewhere else, you could, some would say should, light your candles at home, right? And let, make sure that they're going to last long enough that when you come home, you're still going to be able to benefit from them. Ideally, have some tea, have a piece of cake, sit down, read a book, whatever, enjoy the candles for a few moments, Fine. You could also technically light at those places, okay? Um, and now you can understand why some pr- prefer lighting in your own home. Why, is it, why would some prefer lighting in your own home than lighting at your, get, at your host house? Based on what we just saw, it's questionable. Some would argue it's questionable. Once the hostess or host lit candles, you lighting the candles there as well, you know, is it really uh, needed? Could you really say a bracha? The custom is, it's allowed, and that's why, you know, in Shul, if we have, we're going to have a meal next, this is coming Friday, you're all invited, hopefully you can join us, um, and, uh, and we're going to have a bunch of candles, everyone's going to light over there. It's fine, it's fine. If you want, my, my, my wife's, I mean, we live next door, it's a little easy, but my wife's going to light at home, my wife's going to light at home, and ideally, if you can. So, but you can drive to Shul. We'll see, well, it's good. That's a very good question. I don't know if we're going to get to that today, but we'll see. That, that's, that's, you're right. And, in other words, there, there, there are many who say you should not drive. We'll see. There, there, there are some different opinions, which we'll, 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 get into, uh, we'll get into. I don't know if we'll have time today. I have a fear of leaving candles. Okay. So then do it over here. Then 100%. If there's a concern of fire or whatever it is, then, then you could 100%. There, there is what to rely upon to light where you go. If like, you're a guest somewhere, you could 100% light there. Or could you light on, on electric lights? Yeah, 100%. You could turn off your lights. Turn off your lights in your dining room, right? And you can make a bracha. Yeah. Turn on the lights. That's it. You come home, go sit down in your dining room and, and eat a little bit. Okay. You, you might okay. feel, it feels strange, right? It feels like, oh, what am I doing? I'm lighting a okay. But it's fine. 100% fine. Okay. 100% fine. Yeah. But you have to do it with thought. You have to do it. Right? It's not just enough to, to just, you know, oh, my lights are on. I have to turn them off, say a bracha, turn them on, and you're good. That's what people, at a hospital, right? What do people do? They plug in the electric light, you know? 100% fine. Yes. We're going to get to that. We're gonna, I'm going to cut you off. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off. But yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, hopefully we'll have time to get to start that topic. It's, a, it's an involved topic about when exactly Shabbos starts for those who are lighting. Uh, can you do malacha after lighting? Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to, to, to at least start some of that. So let's begin with a Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara in Shabbos, again, hold on tight, um, really until, oh boy, um, until page 116, 117. And uh, we're going to go through a bunch of sources and kind of pull it together. Okay, so it says, it's the Gemara and Shabbos tells like this. Like this. Amrav Sheshas, Rav Sheshas, one of the Amorim says, Achsanai Chaya Bener Chanukah. A guest is obligated in lighting the Chanukah candles. Okay, why is this relevant to us? You will see. Okay, we're on page 114, source 10. Amrav Zera, Rav Zera said, Meresh, initially, Kiavina Bey Rav, when I was studying in Yeshiva, I would participate, I would join myself with some coins with my host. So what does that mean? So, he's, we're so right now we're talking about Hanukkah candles. We'll see if, 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 if that's indeed relevant, but we're talking about Hanukkah candles. And a person, um, Rav, Sheh, Rav Zeh is telling us that when he was studying in yeshiva, 
He didn't have his own menorah. Nowadays, everyone gets their own menorah, whatever it is. He was, he was staying at someone's house. They would live at someone's house. So how do you fulfill the mitzvah? He'd give the host, uh, you know, 50 cents. He said, can I purchase, uh, uh, you know, a share in your oil? Great. I own a part of your oil. And now when he lights the candles, he has me in mind. Perfect. Okay. Basar Dinesivi, Itza, Amina, once I got married, uh, I married, uh, when I married my wife, I said, Hashta Vade Now, Back in the day, they would, they would, they would, um, they wouldn't be. Li- many people would not be living at home. They would get married. They travel to yeshiva for months at a time, and then they'd return home. Okay, that, that was the that was the the norm in in Bavel. For many of them, they would some of them would travel to Israel for many months, then come home. Whatever, that's what they did. So he was still wasn't living at home, but now he's married and he has a home. So he says, now that I have a home and I have a wife, I don't have to do so. Because my my wife lights for me on my behalf. In my house. Okay, now again, we're talking about Hanukkah. We're talking about Hanukkah, and this is a halakha, no doubt, for Hanukkah. In other words, for Hanukkah, it's very important to know that you don't have to, although many of us have the custom that every member of the household lights, if, you know, if, 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 my, if I'm away and uh, I'm traveling and my wife lights for me in my house, I 100% fulfill my obligation. I don't have to light again. Okay? But that's Hanukkah candles. The question is, does this have any relevance to Shabbos or not? So says the Rav Yah, The Rav Yah is one of the Rishon, one of the earlier uh, commentators in medieval ages. He writes in Source 11, V'karav hadavar be'enai, and appears, that's good, reasonable to me, Dachsanai, that a, that, uh, that a guest, Mishtatef bepriti l'ner Shabbos, kemol l'ner Shulchanukah. Um, that a guest should contribute to the, you know, to purchase some of the candles, just like they do for Hanukkah, unless there's someone lighting on their behalf in their home. Okay, so he tells us, he says, basically, he's suggesting that it's the same principles. If someone is lighting for you in your house, you're good. Shabbos candles, you're good. You don't have to do anything. If, uh, if they're not, then you should chip in. You're staying at someone's house. You don't have someone lighting for you at home. You should chip in with the candles of that home. Now, obviously, if you light your own candles, that would be the same thing. But at the, if you're not lighting your own candles, you could chip in and have the person, the host, light the candles. Okay? Now, when we say chip in, by the way, I just want to mention there's another alternative. They don't have to actually pay them. Uh, they, they might not want to take your money or whatever it is. But you could also, they could also, um, you could acquire. Sorry? That, well, that's an interesting suggestion. I don't know if that would, if, if, if the tzedakah box is not going to them, right? In other words, I have to, it has to be, it has to be acquisition. So I have to either, I can give them the money, they can put in tzedakah. That's true. They say, I don't want your money. Good. Here's the money. You want to put in tzedakah? That's an excellent suggestion. That's a good classy thing for the host to do. Uh, alternatively, no one has money on them. They could just give you the oil or give you the candles. They pick them up. And you get, you get to acquire a share in these candles. And that's sufficient, right? So again, if you're lighting your own candles, they've given you those candles, that's also okay. But let's say you don't have your own candles. You're, someone's, you're going to someone's house and you say, could you have me in mind? It's not enough. You have to go and make some acquisition. So you have to pick up the candlesticks, pick up the candle, whatever it is, and they have to give you a portion of, those st- of, the, of the candles. Again, if you're lighting your own, they've given you those. But if you're not lighting your own, they're doing it for you. It's not enough for them to say, I'm having you in mind. They should ideally do something. Now we're going to get into the details of this as we continue. This is if nobody's lighting in your house. This is if no one's lighting in your house. Okay? Says the Mordechai, source number 12. The Mordechai writes as follows. Omer Maharam, Dibachurim Haholchim Lilmod Chutzlebesam, that young men who would travel outside of their homes, he's just giving a practical example. It's not about men, it's not about, but the point is people who are traveling outside of their homes. Tzrichim Lahadlik Nershal Shabbos Bechadram. They have to make, they have to light candles in their own room. 
The goal of lighting candles is about shalom bai. Shalom bai is not necessarily about a husband and wife. Shalom bai is that there's harmony in the house. And if you're not going to be able to see anything in your room, and you're going to be stumbling over yourself, that's a problem. So in order to counter that, it's incumbent upon everyone to make sure there's lights in their home, okay, wherever they're staying. So he's saying over here that someone who is on their own and there's no lights, and I want to emphasize, that means there is absolutely no lights in their room. Now, nowadays, I'm just going to pause for a second. Nowadays, that's not so relevant. In other words, even if, let's say, I'm staying somewhere, right, and the lights are off in my room because I want to sleep there, right? There's light pouring in from the hallway. There's street lights pouring. There's light pouring in from, from the window outside, right? But back in the day, you had numerous situations where it's truly dark, right? How many candles were they putting around the house? Fire hazards, etc. How many candles were in there in the street? None, right? So basically, he's describing a scenario where there's truly no light. And he says there's truly no light. You have to go ahead and make sure there's some light in your room. Even though you're, you're by yourself, you have to make sure there's light on Shabbos so you're not tripping over yourself on Shabbos. If you're with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with your spouse, let's say a person is with their spouse. They have, okay, they're sleeping in separate rooms and uh, they have, it's dark in the room. Okay, then if their wife is lighting in the house, that's still fine. Then the wife is lighting for the person. That doesn't make sense because if you're saying it's truly, truly dark and if his wife is lighting in another room, it's still truly, truly dark. It's still dark truly dark. And, and the later post can say you should still have some light, right. but technically you will not be, the bracha goes for the entire house. That's the basic point that he's trying to make, that if there's someone who is able to make the bracha for you, that bracha goes for the entire house. Okay. Um, okay, so Shulchan Aruch writes as follows. Let's, you know, those are the earliest sources. Let, let's skip a little bit because it, it, it's, 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 it's tricky. Okay, let, let's just jump to page 116 and source 16. This is one of the later commentators. This is Shemir Shabbos Gilchaso. He wrote this, you know, about, uh, you know, in the past uh, 70 years or so of, of, of Neuvert. Um, he writes as follows. He says, Isha hamalikas neros Shabbos becheder ochel. So a woman who lights candles in the dining room of her house. Motzia behadlakasa gam es bayas hakvuim she fulfills the obligation for um, all the people of the house who are regular residents of the house, even if they're not in the house, on that Shabbos. Let's say her husband is off to, to Miluim, right? He's off, basically he's off, he's serving in Gaza. He's not lighting, right? She 100% fulfills the obligation because he lives there, even if he's not there then. Or the husband's on a business trip, whatever. The, the, if there's a husband and a wife, the wife lighting at home fulfills the obligation. However, if let's say the people in that home who are not at home that Shabbos, the people who are part of the household, I should say, who are not at home that Shabbos, they're not in the house, they eat in a house, they're eating, let's say they're a guest, you know, someone, you're on a business trip and you're eating at someone else's house. Okay, the husband's eating at someone's house. And there is light in the room that the husband is staying. Okay, even if the light is coming from the hallway or the streets, they are entirely exempt from lighting. They don't have to join with the hostess or host of where they're staying. So let's pause for a second, okay? So what's he saying? What's, what he's saying is as follows. Uh, you have a household and you have someone lighting, the, the head of the house is lighting in the household. And let's say a child who normally lives in the house or a spouse who normally lives in the house is traveling somewhere, 
Okay? So either it's a place where they have no ability to write. They're, 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 they're a miluim. They're, they're holding a gun. They're running around Gaza at that moment. Of course, they're not going to be able to light. They fulfill their obligation enough to find a place to light. They're good. Even, and let's say they're staying somewhere. And in the house they're staying, there's light. Because he's staying at, uh, or he or she is staying at a house where someone else has lit. And there's lights, you know, from the electric lights in the room because they have a Shabbos light. Or there's light coming from the hallway. Or there's light coming from the street. No need to light whatsoever. No need to light whatsoever. Okay? Let's keep on reading. Ah, let's go to page 117. Let's say a person who is primary or her primary residence is in a home. And in that primary residence, someone is lighting candles. But where they are staying, there is no light. There's no light. They are then obligated to light candles with a bracha. They got, got, so, so let's pause over here. Um, in their room. In their room. In their room. So, so an example would be, let's say a person staying at a hotel. So there's no one else there. Let's say I'll, give, I'll use myself as an example. My wife is at home. She lit candles for Shabbos. I'm staying at a hotel by myself. There's no one else lighting Shabbos candles there. So what I should do is I should light Shabbos candles in that place because obviously when I turn on the lights, there's now lights. But, but there's no one who said a brach on Shabbos candles and turn on lights in that house, right? I'm not staying at a Jewish home where someone else said bracha and now they have light in the house. I'm staying by myself. In that case, I should make a bracha on the, on the candles there. Technically, I fulfilled my obligation. Well, let's keep on reading, actually. Okay. And let's say they're staying in the hotel, but they're going to go to someone else's house for the meal. They're going to return to their home, to their hotel room, let's say, and it's completely dark. There's no light coming in. They have, you know, the blackout shades or it's all dark and there's no light coming in from anywhere else. There's no light coming in. They'd be obligated to make a bracha. And they should light large candles, candles which will last until they come back to the room. If let's say there's even a tiny concern that there's going to be a fire because I'm leaving these candles all alone, better not to light the candles, and it's a mitzvah not to light the candles in such a case. So again, let's just, let's just uh, summarize over here what he's saying. What he's saying is as follows. Technically speaking, um, if a person has their spouse lighting candles for them in their home, or not, I shouldn't even say spouse, according to this approach, a person has candles being lit in their primary home, that fulfills their obligation, technically speaking. And they don't have to light at all. That said, ideally, if a person's in a scenario where there's no one else lighting in that vicinity, then they should ideally light their own candles in that place. Even if they're going to someone else's house, but they're going to come back to a place which is going to be dark, they should ideally light candles in the place they're going to be. Okay? So again, let's just use a hotel room uh, where, where I'm staying in a hotel. There's no one, I'm not staying in a house where someone else is lighting Shabbos candles for me. Even if I'm going to someone else's house for, to eat the Friday night meal, I should light Shabbos candles at the hotel. If I'm afraid to leave tea lights, I can make a bracha, turn on the light in the room, and I'm done. Okay? Got it? Yes. My question is, what does travel mean? Like, my, my daughters are away for the year. They're in seminary. Ah, we're going to, next page. Good, 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 good. So we're going to get, so right, that, that's, the, that's the primary question about, you know, so right now we're, talk, right now we're talking about a scenario where a person is truly, it's, it's your daughter who's living at home and goes away for Shabbos. She's good. Right? You're good. Right? There's no, no question over there. We're talking about a scenario where, where a person, you're talking about a scenario where someone is really away, 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 they're living away. That's going to be the discussion in the next, uh, the next section. Yeah. I'm going to be traveling with two other women. We're staying at an Airbnb. Do, uh, no. 
Mm -hmm. So the, so good. So let's give, read one more paragraph, and then we'll come to come with some questions. Let's read one more paragraph. Ish uh, Nesua. Let's say uh, page seventeen. A woman, even if she's married, she who is uh, in a hospital, or she is in a uh, the house that, uh, only in Israel they have these houses. Sorry, sorry. Kimpaturim, right? Thank you. There we go. They basically have these houses. Amazing thing. Maybe some of you have uh, had the opportunity to be in. If you have, if a person gives birth in Israel, they have these amazing like uh, places uh, where a person's able to recover by themselves after they give birth. Okay. Since their husband is lighting in their in their homes, okay, then they are they are exempt. As long as there's a little bit of light in the room, or there's some light coming in from outside, right? Again, if a person knows that someone is lighting for them in their households, they 100% fill their obligation as long as there's some light in that room. So you're typical, again, nowadays, that's always the case. Who, have you ever been in a place where it's like pitch black? Like pitch, pitch black? No, there's no such thing. I, I mean, not such thing, but like I'm saying, it's completely bizarre, right? So as long, so it goes both ways. As long as there is some light, uh, you know, the, as long as they know someone's lighting in their home, and as long as there is a little bit of light in the place that they're in, they're fine. However, he says, that all women who light candles, they light where they are, even if they technically have their, 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 uh, their candles fulfilled already, someone fulfilling it. Wherever they eat, they, they make the bracha. So basically, so to answer, so and this is where the custom comes that let's say you're a guest somewhere, right? This happens all the time. You, you go somewhere for Shabbos, right? Um, so technically, the hostess of the house fulfills the obligation for everyone, right? Um, but the minhag is that, that women have the min, minhag that they all light. And even if that means lighting all in the same place, so to your, to your particular question, you're all going to be in the same place. The minhag is, I can't necessarily justify, but this is the minhag. The minhag is that, that all the women would light. You'll light technically if one of you want to fulfill it for all of you. If you want to be, what I would say would be the, the ideal, ideal, ideal. Again, it's not the minhag, but the ideal, ideal, ideal. One of you would light for everyone. You'd all pick up the candles so you all own a portion of it. One person would light for everyone. That would be the ideal, but I imagine no one's going to feel comfortable doing that. So you're all going to light, and that's fine. That's the minog. That's the minog. So again, so so uh, 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 let's just go back to this case. If a if a child or a husband is away and the and his wife and or mother is lighting at home, the minog is that the husband or the child is not light. But the minog, for whatever reason, is if it's it flipped. If the husband is at home and he's lighting, technically his wife's obligation is fulfilled. The minug is though the wife still lights candles where she is. So again, a woman's at a hospital for Shabbos, right? Or so a husband's at a hospital for Shabbos. My wife's lighting. A husband is a, again. You don't have to, but this is the minug. The minug is that the women will go ahead and they'll, they'll say a bracha, they plug in the electric lights, and that's the minug. Are they obligated to do so? She drives herself crazy to do so. Some people are like ah, they didn't come with the lights. It's fine. It's hundred percent fine. Someone live for you at home. It's hundred percent fine. But that's the, the custom many people have. Got it. Okay, um, okay. There are those who argue. There are those who say this is only true for a husband and wife. There is a concept in halacha called ishto kegufo that that uh, that a couple is seen as one, and it would not be true for a child. Okay, it would not be true for a child. That's not the minhag. The minhag that, that he brings out over here from uh, from Sternbach uh, that it's only true for a husband and wife. This idea of one person lighting in the house fulfilling the obligation for others, but uh, and they say that if a child is elsewhere, the child has to light on their own. 
we don't, I, that's, that's not the minhag. The minhag is that even the child, so if my child is, uh, you know, together with some friends on some place for Shabbos and, and no one's lighting there, they fulfill the obligation through my wife's lighting and that's 100% fine. Okay. What we haven't yet gotten into is children in a dormitory. Okay. So let's, let's, uh, let's get into that. Um, let's just go to source 119. Uh, sorry, page 119, source 20. And let's see uh, what the halacha would be if for children who are away for an extended period of time. So he says like this, Umashma poskim, um, Single, young, uh, unmarried people, meaning they don't have their own household. We're not talking about someone who has their own household. We're talking about someone who is, um, who, who, you know, used to live in their parents' house. They're college-aged or whatever. They're away at yeshiva. They're away at seminary. They do not fulfill their obligation through the lighting of their parents. Unless they are with them in the same house. But if they're not there, um, they are obligated to light candles. He says, he goes on to say that even um, if they are living in a place where people are lighting candles, he says, you still don't fulfill your obligation, right? Um, this is just like, uh, you don't fulfill your obligation because just like a guest, if you're a guest somewhere, right? Do you fulfill your obligation just simply with the host lighting? A lot of details. You have to take part in it, right? So similarly, a single, you know, man or woman who is somewhere else, they don't fulfill their obligation just because someone in the yeshiva or someone in the seminary is lighting for them. Okay, let's just jump to the next paragraph. There are those who hold. There are those who hold that children, again, even teenagers, young men and women, who are living permanently in their parents' house. Um, they, they fulfill their obligation through the candles of their mother. Even if they're occasionally found away from their house. It's only when they are found consistently, more often than not, in the dormitory or in an apartment. Then they don't fulfill their obligation. So again, if a child is living at home and they're away occasionally, they fulfill their obligation through the mother's lighting. But now we're going to talk about the child who is not found regularly at home. They live in a dorm. They live in an apartment. Occasionally they come home. Then they're not living at home in that scenario. So what do they do? So nowadays, in yeshivas or seminaries, whatever, and you have a dining room in one place, and you have dorms somewhere else. Okay, so you have oftentimes in the, in the dining room, one person will light candles in the dining room. But that doesn't necessarily help them entirely because in the dining room, what about when they go back to their room? It's dark in there, right? So he says there's a couple of different options. Aleph. You could um, uh, join yourself with the person lighting in the dining room. And, uh, and then you could fulfill your obligation. I believe, if I remember correctly, in Neri Yisrael, I believe uh, for anyone who wanted, they would have like a, like a tzedakah box where anyone put in money and it would go towards purchasing the candles in the dining room, I believe. And for this reason, if you really want, right, that way, I'm now a partner. I'm now a partner in the lighting in the dining room and that makes sense. And therefore, even though I'm not the one lighting it, but someone else is lighting it on my behalf since I own a portion of the candles. That's one option that you could do. Bez, shiyadlik becheder sheyishan sham, v'yadlik bebracha, the kalites, um in the room that you sleep and, and light with a bracha. 
You should make sure that the person who lights has benefit from the candles, right? You should eat a little bit in the room, right? So alternative two would be in a dormitory. Let's say you didn't combine with the person lighting in the dining room. Then what you should you do? You should light in your own room and then you should benefit from those candles, okay? Um, okay. However, I would just tell you, I don't think this is the, co- the custom in most places, okay? In most places, I can speak for yeshivas. I haven't been to seminary in my life. Uh, but in most yeshivas, you do sometimes have someone lighting in the dining room, but no one lights in the room. Not only no one lights in the room, you'd probably get thrown out of the yeshiva if you lit a candle in the room because it's a fire hazard, right? Um, so you most people... You can plug in a Shabbos light. That's true. That's true. I, think, I remember, I believe I, there was, I had a friend who was lighting, used to light in his room with an with a electric light. Uh, but the bottom line is, it's certainly not the, the, the custom. I don't know what they do in the seminaries. I'm not sure. Um, but he says... There are those. There, what are they, so let's keep on reading. That the young men or young women do not like candles at all. Either uh, they, they rely on the owner of the, of the yeshiva or the seminary. And, uh, and, and since that person is lighting, they fulfill their obligation. Even if they're sleeping somewhere else. Especially since they have electricity in the place they're sleeping. It's sufficient that candles live for them in a different place. So, again, an ideal world, you want to part, if you are, uh, again, in yeshiva or seminary or whatever it is, you want to ideally contribute in some way to the lighting of the candles um, or, or light in your own room with real lights or electric lights. If for whatever reason, the, the custom seemingly is not that way. And many people rely on the fact that uh, the person, the owner of the, of the building, you know, the owner of the yeshiva is lighting for them. The truth is, uh, think about it, you know, I, I, you, know you pay, uh, for anyone who sends a child to yeshiva or seminary, you paid a boatload of money. Uh, so why they paid for the, you know, the schnitzel, why doesn't it pay for the candles? I don't know. Um, yeah. But, but the, the things with seminary girls, they're, they're mooching for Shabbos, they're going to strangers, right? So... Right, that, that, mm-hmm. so they're not contributing to the candles. But they should. So the candles where they where they went. But the question is, is there? And I don't know how it works in the seminaries. But do they have a? Do- sleep in the dorm? Or no, they they're going out for Shabbos. For the entire Shabbos. For the entire Shabbos. Right. So, right, so, so they're not usually with ours at home. Right, and the person lighting for them, even if there was someone. Okay, I guess some, some seminaries you're able to stay in, whatever. Even then, you're saying if they stayed out for the entire Shabbos, then what should they do? They're not fulfilling with the person. So then they should really be mishtate for the, with the, well, they should pick. When you go to someone's house, they always say, would you like to light? Right, or would you like to Right. And then they've set out a candle for you. They've given it to light. So they don't. And they ask. So, but, or, or they, if they don't feel comfortable lighting, right, they say, could I, could I, could I make a Kenyan on the candles? And might seem strange, but, but that's, that's what they should do. That's what they should do. Yeah. Um, again, if they're coming back to their place, you know, and, and then, then, again, then they could light electricity in their, in their room or, um, you know, again, I... I, I girls, girls don't have that option. Like some places, no? Some, okay, I hear. All right. And it costs more than a It does, right? <laughs> and then not, even though they kick them out for Shabbos, right? Go figure. Okay, yes. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So, so again, there's what's re- yeah. So, I think practically speaking, there's in many of these scenarios is what to rely upon, right? And in many of these scenarios, certainly um, in a scenario where a person's just going away for Shabbos or whatever it is, 
we're seeing that the custom is you rely on the on, on the candles being lit in the house. It's more complicated when you're really living away from home. Right, and I did live away from home. Right, right. And had other people lighting for you. Right, and that's it, and that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, again, ideally, yeah. So, is there technically what's your life on? Maybe, maybe they're completely. They are still completely. You were probably completely dependent on your parents, or to some extent, dependent on your parents. No. Maybe, no, not at all. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, but for those who are, then maybe there's what's rely upon. You know, your typical seminary uh, student or yeshiva guy or whatever is, is typically typically dependent on the parents. Uh, is not financially, right, they're, they're dependent on the parents. So technically, there might be what's rely upon that, that they had someone lighting at home. Okay, we live and learn. Okay, um, interesting question comes up. A person forgot to light candles by candle lighting time. Okay, now candle lighting time is always 18 minutes before, at least in, in I should say here in, in America is 18 minutes. Uh, in Israel, some people like 20 minutes, half hour. Um, but in, in America, when they say candle lighting time, it's 18 minutes before sunset. So technically you have up to the eight, you know, you have 18 minutes to light candles. After that time, it is forbidden to light candles. It's already Shabbos. So it's already Ben Hashmashos. It's forbidden. You can't do any malachas. So let's say a person forgot to light Shabbos candles. And the question now is, you know, I don't want to be stuck with that extra candle potentially that we spoke about and that, that knas, right? The fine that we spoke about. We still haven't addressed why only women are fine. So it's a good question. Uh, but uh, bottom line is, so what do you do? Can you ask a non-Jew to light the candles for you? Okay. Um, so let's see. So let's see. So it says the, says the Magen Avram, source 21. Kasam Arash B'Shem Aram. Okay, um, he reads as follows. So back in the day, back in the day, it was very common for there to be weddings on Friday, okay, or Friday nights. Okay, this is very common. And the wedding only begins after sunset. She doesn't want to accept Shabbos for the Chabbat. Okay, whatever the scenario is, a person doesn't want to light and then go over to the wedding. They want to they be able to go to the wedding and they don't want to light before. So basically, whatever, forget the scenario. The point is, it's a scenario where a woman doesn't want to light the candles until it's too late to light the candles. So she's doing this deliberately. You and I are thinking of a scenario where it's by mistake. This is a scenario where she's deliberately, I don't want to light the candles until later. I want to accept Shabbos the last possible moment, right? So Otomar, so he says, here's a solution. Tomar la'akum la'hadlik achar chupa v'itzavarech adkan. Okay, so the Maharash writes, okay, the, the Shalman Usta writes, the name of the Maharam, that he, she could ask a non-Jew to light for her, and she says the bracha on the lighting. Okay? But then the Magad of Ram continues, He says this is astonishing. You can't make a bracha, I can't make a bracha on the candles that someone else lit. Okay? Okay, so he says also, to go and ask a non-Jew to do something, generally speaking, it's forbidden. Okay? He says, However, if it's between sunset and nightfall, there is no decree of Amir La'akum. This is a very important principle that, you, that we need to know. Um, and we're, hopefully, we'll get, as we get into more Hilcha Shabbos, generally speaking, there's this misnomer, you're allowed to ask a non-Jew anything. That's not true. That's a big, 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 big mistake. We did talk about it. We're going to go back to it because we all need to review this. You can't ask a non-Jew to do anything. There are many parameters about what you are and what you're not allowed to ask a non-Jew to do. There, during, however, during Bein Hashmashos, meaning be, literally between the suns, between the sun and the moon, which is between sunsets, Right, so eight, you light 18 minutes, 18 minutes later is the sunset, that's when you don't see the sun anymore. Nightfall is when the stars come out. That period of time, time is called Bein Hashmashos. There, there are far more leniencies in terms of asking a non-Jew. Almost everything is allowed to ask a non-Jew during that time. 
Okay, almost everything. You, you can ask a non-Jew at that time. There, you don't have this, this decree. So he says, to ask a non-Jew to light the candles, he says, how does it even make sense? He's going to light it. I'm going to make the bracha. He says, you know, and also you can't ask him to light it after Shabbos began, i.e. after nightfall. He says, maybe you could ask him to light it. Again, but he still believes you're not going to fulfill the mitzvah. Let's keep on reading, okay? He concludes this, uh, we're on page 121 now. If, you know, after the fact, if she forgot to make the bracha and already got dark, meaning it's already past sunset, you could rely on the maharash. So he says, so the opinion number one says, if a woman forgot to light and it's already sunset, not nightfall, she's allowed to ask an Anju to light for her. Okay? However, Kiva Eger disagrees. Look at source 22. He says, It's very difficult. There's a concept called agency. There's a halachic concept called agency. I'm only allowed to make an agent for me to do something that they themselves, for when it comes to mitzvah, only something that they themselves are obligated to do. Meaning, I, I, could, I could create an agent, right? The whole concept of agency, it's a complicated halachic Talmudic discussion, but essentially it's seen as like, according to one way of looking at it, it's an extension of me, right? If I set you up as my agent, you're, you're an extension of me. But I could only set you up as my agent to do things that I myself am obligated to do. I, you're, you can't be an extension of me if you yourself don't have that obligation, right? Um, so therefore, therefore he says, how could I make a non-Jew my agent to light Shabbos candles? They don't have the mitzvah, and I do. So it doesn't make sense. He says, How could you make a bracha? So he says, basically, he says, okay, so in this particular scenario where a person wants to light candles and then go to the wedding, he says she, what she should do is she make a stipulation before lighting and that helps her. And that's going to be the next discussion, which we're not going to have time to get into. But he's alluding already to this next concept, which is that although lighting candles typically is what causes Shabbos to start, there's a way around that, which we'll, we'll leave for next week. But what about this question? To, let's, let's conclude this question about, I forgot to light and asking a non-Jew to light for me. So we have one opinion says, no problem. I could have a non-Jew light. I could even do it after dark. And I could say a bracha. The other opinion says, first of all, you can't do it after dark. Maybe after sunset. Um, he says, if you forgot, you could rely on this. Or Mickey Baker says, absolutely not. He says, how could I make an agent? How could I make an agent to do this? Okay, but um, however, there's a, there's a beautiful piece. If you turn to page 23, there's a, a chiluk, a distinction which is made, uh, which might be able to, to resolve this, uh, this issue. So if you look at source 23, there's an argument to be made opposite Rabbi Kiva Eger. They, she could make a bracha. Even though a non-Jew lit the candles, and even though tip, the, the Gemara says that about mitzvot, there's no agency for a non-Jew, that's for performing a mitzvah. Let's, let's keep reading. Something which doesn't need agency at all. Someone else could do it for you. And what is done is done. The example he's given. Um, okay, so let's say you have a maka. What's a maka? Maka is a very important, also a lacha that's not so well known. A maka is that if you have a, a um, elevated um, structure that is more than 10 tzvachim high, so about yay high, okay? Um, so people have porches, right? It's very trendy to have porches which don't have railings. It's very dumb if you have kids, but it's very trendy, okay? So if you have a porch that doesn't have a, 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 a railing, so it might be stylistic, but halachically, if it's 10 tzvachim high, it is forbidden. You must, it's a, it's a, it's a pasuk in the Torah. You have to build a fence, 
Okay, not only that, and here's the part that people also don't know. The fence has to also be 10 tzvachim high. Okay, so for example, the house, uh, we live next door to the shul. It's a very old house, and things weren't, there's no code. It was built like 120 years ago. The porch had a fence that was less than 10 tzvachim high. Okay, so if you look closely, we could all take a little uh, field trip after, uh, but if you look closely, we have nothing else to do. But if you look closely at our back, the front porch, we put a new, uh, new porch. For the back porch, we, we got someone to add like uh, extra structure on top of the railing to, so that it'll be 10 tzvachim high. And that is called the mitzvah of makkah. Now, with makkah, you're obligated to have a makkah. There must be a fence. Now, it's a mitzvah on me, the, the homeowner, to build a makkah, right? But what did I, but, but let's say I, I can't build for the life of me. I can't put up a picture for the life of me, right? So what am I supposed to do? I can't put up a makkah, so I pay someone to put it up for me. Do I fulfill my mitzvah of having a makkah? 100%. 100%. Some people, they're very strict. They try, they, they ask the, the construction worker, you know, the person, they could like do the last nail into the maca, whatever. It's not so simple. Bottom line is um, that you ask someone else to do it for you and that's totally fine, right? So I had, I had, I asked someone to do it. Bottom line is my house has a maca now. I, there's a bracha to say, I couldn't say the bracha because I didn't do it. Uh, but, but the bottom line is that it's, it's there. There's, Shop- a there's a bracha, yeah. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. Last was Maka. I don't know if it's something. I forgot exactly. Yeah. Um, but Shabbos candles. What's the deal with Shabbos candles? Is it about lighting the candles? No, it's about having light in the house. And therefore, the Machna Ephraim argues, he said, argues with Rabbi Kibager. He says, yeah, Rabbi Kibager, you're right. There are many things which you can't have an agent to do for you. Let's say there's something called hafrashas truma. So there is designating certain types of the food with a certain designation, and now it has a certain special status. But in many, some of the mitzvahs we're talking about, for example, building a fence around my, my, my porch or lighting candles, if the goal is the final product, then I could do it. And therefore, there's an argument to be made, and this is what the post can say, that certain things you're right. You can't ask a non-Jew to do for you, most mitzvahs. But if the purpose of the mitzvah is the result, meaning, I, I, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example um, that, that's practical. Um, I don't know. Okay, uh, well, hold off. But, but, but mitzvahs where it's more about the effect, the end result, like I need light in my house, I need a fence around my, my, my home, there I could have an agent. So if a woman were to forget, or a man were to forget, to light Shabbos candles, while it's still Bein Hashmashos, after sunset, they say, oh no, I forgot to light. So what do you do? So if you have someone in your neighborhood, this might seem a little weird, but you ask them, say, could you please light the candles for me? You can make the bracha. If you feel weird having them turn on whatever, you can ask them to turn on a light for you, okay? And you say the bracha, right? Because we saw you fulfill your obligation that way. And basically through that, you fulfill your mitzvah of Halakos Neros. Okay, I'll just tell you a very quick story, just because what, what, uh, just uh, whatever popped up, uh, uh, but uh, about uh, a non-Jew, we have our area is mostly Jews, uh, as for, I imagine for many of you. Um, so a few a few months ago, we forgot to put the chulant up before Shabbos, and it was after sunset. This happens, right? Um, we got to plug it in, and so we're scrambling. The regular person we normally go to wasn't home. Okay, what do we do? So we remember that we had a neighbor. Uh, and one of the houses next to us who moved in a little while ago. So whatever, my wife went and she went from the, it was from the backyard. She knocked on the back door. I thought it was like someone breaking into the house. Bottom line is they open the door and, and she explains what she needs. The guy comes and we're thanking the guy. He saved our Shabbos. He was thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. He says, I have to tell you, I moved, before I moved to this area, um, uh, you know, my friends told me that, you know, on Shabbos, on Saturday, these, uh, you know, the Jews are going to come and ask you to do things. But for two years, I've been living here. No one's done this. I felt like, an, I felt like what's wrong with me? I finally feel like I feel part of this community. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, so I'm not telling you who it is because we're going to overuse it. Uh, but, but bottom line is they don't, people don't always necessarily mind when we do it. Okay, next week we're going to pick. So again, let's just quickly summarize. We, we learned a lot today. I, I just, it's very important to summarize. Bottom line is that uh, when it comes to girls lighting at home, uh, if you don't have a minag, it's better that they don't. If you do, ideally, 
ideally the girls will light without a bracha, um, and if they want to light the bracha, there's what to rely upon to light with the bracha. Uh, if you need to do some research, you'll let me know um, if you find anything. Um, lighting candles, if you're a guest somewhere, um, technically as long as the person in your own home lit for you, if you're part of a household and someone's lighting for you in your household, you technically fulfill your obligation as long as you have some light in your room, okay? And that's the typical scenario. Nonetheless, women have the custom to light where they are, okay? And then uh, find that, which is the minhag, okay? And then if a person is not living in their own home, if they're really like they're like an older child who is uh, living in a dorm or whatever it is, really they should light on their, on their own. There's what to rely upon that they could rely on the lighting that's being done in the place. And again, if a person forgets to light Shabbos candles, you could and should ask a non-Jew to light for you until nightfall. Okay. All right. Have a good, have a good